98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. D-backs and Phillies tonight. I'm not sure. I can't wait to watch the game. I'm having so much fun watching this team play. I was at the game the other night for Corbin Carroll's debut. And then uh, couldn't wait to watch that game last night as they took down the Phillies again. Really putting a hurting on the Phillies and their chances to make the playoffs. So you'll have uh, D-backs and Phillies again tonight. Um, so we'll watch We'll watch that game. Tommy Henry on the mound for the D-backs. We'll see how he pitches. All right, cornerback. Now that they've addressed the elephant in the room... Mm-hmm. By adding Gidry, by adding Mullen, are, 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 is there satisfaction? Is is or because I asked you earlier, like, can the what, what will define the season? Will the cornerback room still define the season? Is it a weak link? Is it better now? Is it? A, I don't want to say it's a strength, but is it? Is well, it? A, it was a weak link a week a ago. Okay, I it's mean, not a strength. It was yeah. a weak link a week ago. Is it still a weak link? To be determined. I mean, I, I hate to not take a stance, but I mean, we got to see these guys play. I, I feel a little better after listening to uh, you know JT the Brick, who who covers the Raiders better than most, talking about how Trayvon Mullen's a good player and maybe just was you know not part of a new regime's idea of what they wanted, right? But but judging by his pedigree and being a second round pick, and when he did play, when he was healthy, was a good player that. That gives me some comfort. He's going to have to get up to speed real fast in Vance Joseph's defense. Second round pick, Trayvon Mullen. Second round pick, second round pick, like second round pick. Played for a you know, two time national champion at Clemson. Like good pedigree. I mean, Gidry. Like good pedigree. Gidry. Yeah, I mean, good Gidry. player at Utah in college, undrafted, but he's got a lot of. He's played a lot of games. Right. I'm a little less optimistic. I mean, Gidry undrafted and was just waived. So I mean, I, I, like, mm-hmm. just from that standpoint, you know, I'm not going to. You know, start holding a parade here. I, I just it, listen. They, 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 like you said earlier, they feel these guys are better than the guys they have. So from that standpoint, you trust their scouting department to a certain extent. I mean, they, 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 they haven't been perfect in the past. Uh, certainly, when it comes to that position, when you look at who they've drafted over the past decade. But yeah, I mean, listen, that's an important part uh, of, a, of a team's operation, the cornerback position, and it can torpedo an entire season if, if you're not good back there. And what scares you, Gambo, is that it's not like their top three guys are are rock-solid, great players. There's sure things. I mean, there are question marks about Marco Wilson and Antonio Hamilton. Sure. that that's So, I mean, the, the, we're, we're, they got one kind of surefire guy back there. And the rest, you're kind of hoping that these guys can all play. Look, you got to open up, uh, you know, and you talk about the, okay, they don't have Tyree Kill there anymore, but you got Juju Smith Schuster, you got Marquez Valdez Scantling, Travis Kelsey, the tight end, is going to be a, a force to be reckoned with when you play Kansas City. You got Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro the next week. I mean, just all year long, you just think about the corner, you got to go up against Cooper Cup Cooper and Debo Cup. Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And it's, yeah, you're going to be challenged week in and week out. What you're hoping for, that 
What you're hoping for is that this is not what sidelines the Cardinals season. That this, that this position group does not derail their hopes of getting back to the playoffs. Cause there is a lot of hopes out there that, hey, got a terrific young quarterback, got a really good receiver group, got a really good running back group. Offensive line is solid. You know, pass rush. Okay. Definitely some questions there. Love the safety tandem. Maybe one of the better ones in the league. You don't want the cornerback room to be the one that loses games for you because they can't cover anybody. No, you can't give up 31 points a game and and, and no, normally like historically if you're weak at corner the way you combat that is, is with the pass rush the pass rush well okay then well, there's there's some question marks there as well so I'm, I'm not sure the cardinals have the firepower from that position group to make up for suspect cornerback play on the other side of the coin, maybe maybe Mullen's going to be a revelation. Maybe the toe and footer they're they're healthy and he's going to be ready to, to to play like a like a decent to to high end cornerback this mm. year. Maybe Marco Wilson and Hamilton take a step up. Maybe Byron Murphy takes a step up. Yeah, they got to hope that he you know he he played well as a rookie. Fifty six percent completion percentage, seventy eight point three quarterback rating allowed. Trayvon Muller. Last year, I mean, you know, you had struggles with Marco Wilson coming out as a rookie. Like, he did what he could, but he still struggled. When he was targeted, there was a high passer rating. Antonio Hamilton, too, high passer rating. Murphy was better. So, you know, that's where you say, okay, is Mullen good enough? Because that would be, like, if you get a guy that could jump Hamilton and Wilson and be your number two guy, that's what you want. That like that would be ideal. Now, if Gidry's your fifth guy, he's your fifth guy. But if you could get somebody that's good enough to jump Hamilton and jump Marco Wilson, that could be a big difference in how the team plays because now you've got a number two cornerback. A lot of ifs and a lot of hoping. And I think overall, when you kind of just look at the Cardinals' defense and the season as a whole uh, through the defensive prism, you like to go into a season going, okay, we got this guy. He's a sure thing. He's a Pro Bowl caliber player. This guy's an all pro caliber player. We know he's good. How many guys on the Cardinals defense can you say that about? Buda Baker. You can say that about Jalen Thompson. Mm-hmm. You can say that about J.J. Watt when he's healthy. I think you can say that about Marcus Golden to a certain extent. Like, you know what you're going to get. But outside of that, and I'll even throw Isaiah Simmons into the hope and if category. Like, you're still hoping the light bulb goes on for Simmons. A lot of guys that you're hoping take the next up, that you're hoping I feel good about Isaiah. Deliver. I'm not I, sure on Zabin yet, but I feel good about Isaiah. I thought feel, he was good last year. I feel good, year. but you still need to see it. You, see, I, you still need I to see it I saw a lot last year to where I don't think the kid's a bust. He's going to play in this league for a while. He's good. Can he be great? The question is, can he be great? Well, they need, they Zabin need, Collins, I don't know. I mean, I just don't know with Zabin Collins. But I know the I mean, listen, he, all year long, you know, Cardinals must have a plan at cornerback, right? Cardinals look silly as Marco Wilson starts to show bust status. Quarterback questions, a mixed camp, like aftermath, you know, Jory's still out on Marco Wilson. I mean, everything everything with the Cardinals was a big, big question mark for the Cardinals. And one of the, you know, a lot of the stories was, do they have a plan? Like, do the Cardinals have a plan? Because they didn't really go out and address that need in the offseason. They didn't go out. Last year, they tried to get Malcolm Butler. It didn't work. So they went into this season. Well, they did. And they they did did with Gladney. They did with Gladney, to be fair. To be fair, and that's Mm -hmm. a tragic loss. Tragic. But it wasn't like Jeff Jeff Gladney had question marks 
as well. And we'll just move, we'll move on from there. But he wasn't a sure thing either. No. So you just ta- I just think not, not only cornerback, you're just talking about a position group that you have a lot. You have a lot of hope. Uh, that you're you're like okay. I hope this guy plays to his potential. I hope this guy takes the next step. I hope this guy is good. Period. I, I just I wish. And listen, maybe 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 it all works out. Maybe everybody rises and plays above and beyond their potential, and this defense turns out to be an outstanding unit. But from where we sit right now on the last day of August. There are far too many question marks for my liking to say, like, hey, listen, this this defense is going to be good. Yeah, and you this know what? defense is going to be sci. You'll love, get answers soon. I, I love this Cardinals defense. No, I can't sit here and say that. I'm scared yeah. to death about the Chiefs and the Raiders and the Rams coming out of the gate. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's The Who are heading back to the Auction Pavilion on October 30th. They're the Who's Hit Back Tour. Tickets go on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair now by visiting the contest page on ArizonaSports.com. I don't want to compare this young Diamondback team to the Beatles, but I think somewhere down the road we may be asking, can they keep the band together? We'll talk about the Diamondbacks next on 98.7 FM Arizona. Zona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. There's a line drive left field. That's a hit. Schwarber over to get it. Look at Carroll burn it. Round second. Heads for third. He'll score easily. An RBI double Thomas and two nothing Diamondbacks. Man, can he motor. We need a song for these kids with their speed. Remember that burn, baby, burn. Was that Disco Inferno? Disco Inferno. Burn, baby, yeah. burn. But I was just watching Saturday Night Fever on cable last night before I went to bed. Were you really? <laughs> yes, it was on. Yeah. Falling asleep to that movie. The Tramps. Disco Inferno. Burn, baby, burn. What do you think, Mitch? Take a listen. Your music guy. Take a listen to that. Let me know if that could work for these kids in their speed. Corbin, Corbin Carroll needs a nickname. And I, I, uh, he, I mean... I did. You want to give a nickname already? I did, well, yeah. If you got one for me, tweet it. I'd be here at uh, at Tim Ring TV. Uh, he needs a nickname. I, don't, I can't even think of one. The, 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 the Wiley Coyote. Beep beep. The Flash. Flash. The Flash. Car- Flash. Carol. Carol the Barrel. I've just never seen. I mean, I've, I don't I know that I've ever seen a player that fast. Like honestly, like that speed is unreal. Flash. I mean, we saw Ricky Henderson play. We saw Tim Raines play. Think about all the base dealers we've seen. I, I kind of missed Lou Brock. I saw Lou Brock maybe at the end. But you think of all the base dealers that there were. I mean, this kid's the Diamondbacks' speed is unreal. They have, their outfield defense is going to be the best in baseball because of the speed. They're going to steal bases like it's going out of style. They're going to lead the league in infield hits. I'm telling you, speed like, and they're all young. They're, these kids are all young. McCarthy, by the way, Jake McCarthy. He's coming on the program today, 4.30. Oh, great. So we're going to have McCarthy on the program at 4.30. Hit that big home run last night. He had a triple. I mean, he's so damn fast. Alec Thomas, he's lightning fast. Carroll's the fastest among them and a great base runner. I mean, these are weapons the Diamondbacks have just not had. They haven't had that. You know, so who is the career the stolen mites. base leader for the Diamondbacks? Is it Womack? Is it, is, it, is it Tony Womack, Diamondbacks career stolen base leader? Does that sound right? You're not talking to him. No, I'm, I'm looking at Mitch because he's usually no, quicker on the computer. Saying if you could just guess at it. Um, I Tony Womack has the most. Is it Womack? Diamondback team team records? Stolen bases I mean, is Womack. He's got 182 stolen bases. One of these guys is going to top that record. Is Paul Goldschmidt is second, by the way, on that list. 
Isn't that crazy? Is he really? So Womack is, does hold the record. Yeah. Okay. Single season stolen bases at Womack. He had 72. He had 72. I'm going to say that that's going to go down. I'm going to say that that, that record's going to go down. As long as Lavello manages the right way, I think that that's going to go down. Let's talk about an important thing. Can they keep this thing together? I know they're all young right now. Corbin Carroll's been up for two days, and you want to know if they can keep them together. I, I worry about that. You know, they're not the Dodgers. They're not the Yankees. We're going to lose them. They're not the Dodgers. They're not the Yankees. They're not the Padres right now. They're not the Red Sox. You See, the thing is, you've got all these guys up together at the same time. Thomas, McCarthy, um... You got VAR shows. You think in the last couple of years, the last couple of years, all the guys that have come up. Now, you still got big decisions to make on a guy like Zach Gallon, who's got three years of control, but you may want to get something done with him. I do think that they can keep all these guys together. Usually, you know, you get a guy like you get Marte, you sign him. A couple of years later, you get a guy, you sign him. A couple of years. The problem with the Dimebacks is you're going to have, you're going to have Thomas, Carroll, McCarthy, VAR show, all these guys together. And maybe next year, Jordan Law, you're going to like five or six key guys that are all going to be, at some point, you're going to have to pay these guys, and it's probably all going to happen within a year of each other. Right. Well, in a perfect world, if all those guys turn out to be you know all-star caliber players, you're going to use one of them to trade for a pitcher or, or, or a closer or somebody who you deem to be the final piece of a World Series contending team. Much like the Cubs did with Gleyber Torres to the Yankees to get Chapman to put them over the top in 2016. You, you drafted all these quality positional players, and then you were overstocked, and then you used them as chips. So that could happen, too, if Mike Hazen continues to hit on all these positional players in his farm system. So that's one way to, to put it. You know, you brought up the Zach Gallon thing. I just want to transition back to that. Okay. Uh, it's arbitration year next year. No, next three years. Yeah, so no team. It begins next year. Yeah. I should phrase it that way. Um, no teams like to go to arbitration. Watching what he's doing right now. Would you lock him up? Is, yeah. there, is there not a better time to lock him up right now? Yeah, but you try to buy out those three arbitration years and a couple of free agency years is what you'd want to do. So if you gave him a five-year deal now, um, you know you would have him. He's 27 years old, so you'd have him at 27, 28, 29, 30, 31. So you'd and have five years of control. You'd buy out the three arbitration years and two years of free agency on a long-term contract. Now, he can't hit free agency until 2026. So for him, he may want to do something because he can't hit free agency until 2026. So the Diamondbacks have him for all of next year. Control all of 23, all of 24, all of 25. Does it benefit the D-backs, though, to do a deal with him? The way, in fact, factor in a couple things. A, the way he's pitching. What your needs are. You don't want him to get close to the free agency where he says, you know what, I'd rather just play it out another year or two and get a hit free agency. And now I could go sign and, with, with one of the biggest teams out there for the most money. And who's his agent? Is it Boris? Yes. Okay. All that, and that's why I'm kind of like, you know. But if, if, but if you, you do, make a guy a deal now. And you and you buy out a, and you gain the benefit of a couple of years of free agency. I would do it. I'd look at a five year deal for Zach Allen right I, I now. I would too. That's why I wanted to go back to that. I just I just think that that that, that in terms of money management and your and, and managing your assets, i.e. your players, the, the, uh, just judging by the way the guy how good he is, like that that would be a good start right there. And then you worry about 
the other guys when you have to, which, I mean, listen, Corbin Carroll was just called up. I, I don't have the details in front of me when that isn't, that's even going to be a factor uh, with him. But as these guys come available, and then, as I said, if, they're all, if they all turn, you're going to have a very crowded outfield and all these guys pan out. I mean, you know what for- you can't do? You can't, you can't have, like right now, you, next year you're going to have over $30 million invested in Bumgarner and Ahmed. Over thirty million. So if you're gonna have a payroll of about a hundred, you're gonna have a thirty year payroll invested in those two guys. You, the Diamondbacks can no longer make mistakes in their payroll, and if they're going to afford these guys, you can't have an albatross Madison Bumgarner twenty three million dollars on your books next year when he can't get anybody out. I mean, you've had bad contracts. I mean, the the um, Yasmani Tomas contract, this Bumgarner contract. I'm not saying Nick Ahmed's a bad contract, but, you know, your three highest paid players next year are Bumgarner, Ahmed, and Melanson. No, the ROI on the I would trade contract da- is bad, obviously. I would, I would trade Ahmed in a heartbeat to a team that wants a defensive shortstop, and I play Perdomo every day because he's getting he's good defensively, uh, but I would do that. I would trade Ahmed. If there's a team that wants a defensive shortstop for one year and not a lot of money, I would trade Ahmed and get out from under that $7 million because I got to start thinking if I'm the Diamondbacks, okay, no more mistakes, no more mistakes, no more Yasmani Tomas, no more Madison Bumgarner, like you cannot afford, you're going to have to pay these guys, Gallon's going to come up, eventually all these other players are going to come up and you're going to have to pay them, you've got time, you've got some time, Christian Walker's arbitration eligible for the next two years, you'll Six million next year, probably twelve million a year after that. But he's an older player. I'm not worried about him. It's the younger players. Like you look at this, like wow, they got something special here. Can they keep it together for the long haul? Like they can, but they just can't make the mistakes that have been made in the past because that puts them in a big hole. Just be smart about it. There was a great article the other day about how the Mariners structured the Rodriguez contract. You know, they're, they're not a, they're not a big market team. They, 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 they look, Jerry DePoto, former D-backs GM, now running the show there, looked at the potential to lose this guy to the big market clubs down the stretch, and he structured a contract that, that put them in a great position to not pay a whole lot. I mean, they're paying a whole lot now, but if this kid continues to grow and develop and put up numbers, then it becomes a megawatt contract. But they basically locked him up long term. So what doesn't happen is what you're worried about sure. right now with these D-backs young core oh, man, players. You've got five guys, like five guys that are all come over to the same. It's exciting and it's great and they can really build together. But you don't want to have to, you know, like you, you look at the A's when they had that tandem, those three pitchers, right? When the A's had um, Mulder like Zito, and Mulder and, Mulder and uh, the, other, the other guy. Heron? Mulder, Hudson, was it Dan Barry Heron? Zito. I said Zito. Mulder, Hudson, and Zito. Mulder, Hudson, and Zito. Right. right. Those Mulder, are the three Hudson, guys. and Zito. Like, you can't keep everybody together. Like, you just sometimes you can't when you're a lower payroll team. And so, not that you think about that now, but that's something that down the road they're going to have to factor and in. And also, real quick, like, let's let's see how well these guys, I mean, once, once pitchers get more books on these D-backs guys, remember Shane Spencer, right? You know, like, hey, listen, let's, let's, let's see these guys play a full season, too. D-backs are going to have some issues coming up with uh, some players, whether they'll be ready or not for that Kansas City series. We'll talk about that next on 98.7 FM. Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. All right, Tim Ring filling in for 
Bernsey, and we're going to take you right up Bernsey, until six oh, o'clock tonight. Dave Burns, <laughs> the ever vacationing Dave Burns. Well, I found out this year I got an extra week of vacation time this year. Once you hit like a certain amount of time, you get so I, I get four a, weeks now. You've accrued. I've accrued week. an extra week. Four weeks vacation time. Yeah, if anything, you were the ever vacationing one this year. I'm uh, just, I never usually take two weeks in a row, but this year I kind of took two but. weeks in a row. <laughs> yeah, I like to spread it out. I mean, usually we do like some summer stuff. I like, I like the winter. Like, I hate the heat. Like, I hate, the, I, I despise the heat. I really can't stand 112 degrees every day like it is this week. Like, so I'd rather be in the cold. So I like, send me to Norway. Just send me somewhere. It's cold. I like the cold. So There's nothing like, wrong with taking your allotted vacation time. No. I, 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 no. I, people That's should never time. Take, people should never take grief for that. Right, but the yeah. gag is always that Gambo picks on Bernsey whenever he leaves for a full, like, two weeks. <laughs> yeah. It's okay for your coworkers to tease you, but do you ever work for a boss where you're like, hey, I'm, I'm gonna, I need to take this week off. Oh, man, you're killing me, man. You're, kill, you're going to take those days like, off? Like, really? It's yeah. your time. Like, I can't take really? my time off? Like, make you feel, right, it makes you feel bad? I had, I had a guy like that in Denver. I'm going to take uh, the third week in uh, August off, um, six months now, from now. We try to... Jeez, oh, really? Oh, God. You know, the Rockies, the Rockies are at home that week. Like, shut, the, <laughs> shut the hell up. We try not to take <laughs> off a week during the football season. A day here or there is okay, but we try not to take off like a full week when the season's going on. Of course. On. Football's a different animal. I think you work yeah. in sports. Everybody understands yeah, that. Football it's kind season's of, it's kind our, of busy. It's our busy season. Yes, of course. All right, let's get into uh, the Cardinals health update. So I want to play some of these sounds. Cliff Kingsbury, we're going to go rapid fire here. Because the Cardinals, the Kansas City's coming up in like 11 days. So they got to be ready. Here's Cliff Kingsbury on Zach Ertz. It'll be, it'll be close. I think he's right in line with the Golden and, and Rondell. We're hoping next week we can get something out of him early in the week and, and everything um, lines up. But hopefully that, that works out. All right, that's him on Zach Ertz. Hopefully it lines up. We hope he's ready. That's one. Here's Cliff Kingsbury on J.J. Watt. He's good. Yeah, he's just recovering. We're going to let him um, continue just to train throughout this week and then get him back next week. All right, skip this week, get him back next week. He's uh, trying. He knows how to get himself ready for the first game. He knows how to get himself ready, so I think he'll be there. Here's the big one. They're starting left guard Justin Pugh. Pugh, same deal. Uh, we're taking a day by day, really. Um, Going to get through this week and see how he feels over the weekend, let him rest this weekend, and then come back Monday and see where, where he's at. It'll be close. All right. And Marcus Golden. Here's the update on Marcus. Pretty much on the same schedule as Rondell is. We're hoping early in the week, next week, we can get something out of him and just progress him up until game time. But um, it'll be close, I think. It'll be close. (laughs) All right. It'll be close. And then the last one, Rondell Moore. He's still day-to-day. We're hoping that we can get something out of him early in the week, next week. But we'll, we'll see how he feels. All right. It'll so, be close. Okay. That'll be. So, so Ertz, Watt, Pugh, Marcus Golden, Rondale Moore. They've got some guys that, you know, okay, let's you know These guys might be close. It'll be close. It'll be close. We'll get an update. Nothing on Antonio Hamilton there, right, Mitch? There was no questions on Antonio Hamilton. All right. We'll, we'll it'll be close. Yeah, it'll be it'll be close. I, you know, I heard, I heard Darren Urban, who obviously covers the team, uh, for for the Cardinals on with Wolf and Luke earlier today, and you know, Darren's in the building every day. And I, I thought he had a great line. He goes, "I'm looking." Even Darren's saying this because I'm looking forward to seeing that first injury report next week. So even Darren's like, "Let's see who's on it and what for," because at that point the Cardinals have to be a little more forthright on on what's going on and you know who's limited. 
who's questionable, who's out, and what's exactly wrong with some of these guys and just how, how serious it might be. But, I mean, if some of these guys can't go, obviously the task at hand gets a lot more difficult. Yeah. Uh, Captain Obvious. But, yeah, I mean, this here, as you say, Gamble, it's, it's, I mean, this, this game is coming up, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of guys that they're, they're trying to they're trying to get a lot ready of status here. for the starters. Right. A lot know. of guys that are close. Well, you know the the clock is the clock is ticking. Tyler Tick, Drake's talk. got a story up right now. Like his starters murky ahead of Week One. What's going to happen with these guys on on Zach Ertz and Rondell Moore and Justin Pugh and you know Ertz is dealing with that calf issue. He's been sidelined for a little bit and he's considered day to day. And you know, like Kingsbury said, it'll be close with him and you know Rondell. They're hoping next week. So I think what they're really hoping for is you know to see. Within the next week, they'll see a lot of progress. Uh, Trey McBride could be in line for added reps. Max Williams, uh, especially if Ertz can't go, he's been ahead of schedule in his rehab. Justin Pugh's dealing with that stinger, so their plan is that he you know rests up over the course of the week and hopefully will be ready to go. So they've got some key players that right now, just right now, seem questionable. Um, the golden thing's interesting, right? I mean, is he was he was he a hold in? Was he not? A hold in. He's not really happy with his contract. He had some of those uh, those tweets that he put out there. So I think that's something we've got to see if they address that. The Cardinals are about fifteen million dollars in cap space that they have available. You want to save some, but I think they also need to take care of some of their own players. I think they'd like to get something done with Jalen Thompson, maybe even Byron Murphy, maybe even Zach Allen. So they want to get some of their own guys done. But we've got to keep our on that Marcus Golden situation because they need him. Well. I hope it's a hold-in, because if he's been out with an injury for a month, then I'm worried about that injury. Yeah. Right? Yes. And if it's a hold-in, cut him a check, and then he's going to be okay. (laughs) He's going to be healed. Underpaid, unappreciated, and undervalued. That was his tweet. Underpaid, unappreciated, and undervalued. And he tweeted... But I'm still working. He tweeted the other day, you got to take a stand for something or you're going to fall for anything. So... Clearly, the uh, you read the tea leaves, as I like to say. Clearly, the the holding didn't yeah. end when preseason ended. Mitch had that same tweet a few weeks ago, but nobody noticed it. Mitch did, but the same thing: underpaid, unappreciated, undervalued. But I'm still working. People don't Except even appreciate he, his tweets, Mitch. He, <laughs> Mitch's tweet didn't get the same kind of play that Marcus Golden's did. <laughs> well, Mitch, why don't you hold in? Well, none of my tweets get play in general, yeah. so that's probably part of the problem. What would a hold in look like for Mitch? I'm here, but I'm not actually going to do it. You're not going to run the board. I'm not going to run Your the board. Your mic wouldn't be on, Gambo. Mike wouldn't be on. I'd be talking like, yeah. Uh, we wouldn't would have be. we wouldn't have JT the Brick on. Yep, wouldn't have any. We wouldn't be any guests. <laughs> Debo, D-backs on deck because I don't know how to run that damn thing. You'd I, have to read, Gambo. I'd have to kind of figure it what out. What are the sod poodles doing tonight? They're at the hop. I don't know what's going on. Where's uh, Mitch? Uh, He's holding in. Yeah, so Kansas City week one coming up. They've got some key guys right now that they've got to kind of figure out if these guys are going to be ready to go. They've got, see, the good thing is some of those positions that you look at, there's some depth there. Like they do have depth. When you look at offensive guard, now they've got a little bit of depth at offensive guard. They've got some depth at tight end. So if they're missing Ertz, you've got McBride, he, you know, who's talented kid should be able to play. So I do think some of those wide receiver, what Rondale 
Rondale more. Like if Rondale's not able to go, maybe Andy Isabella gets those reps. So I think some of those positions, the one I would worry about the most is obviously edge rusher because Marcus Golden is a guy who you count on for double-digit sacks. That would be the one that I would be worried about a little bit. But with Cody Ford in the mix now, you feel like you've got an up uh, an upgrade, you know, not an upgrade, but somebody that can replace Justin Pugh if you have to. Uh, Ertz, you've got McBride. Rondale goes down. You can play Andy Isabella. So you've got some key replacements that are here in-house, but I would worry about the pass rush. I'd worry about replacing J.J. Watt and Marcus Golden if those guys aren't able to go. You know, the, the Ford trade happened right as Pugh was going to see a specialist for a stinger. Listen, stingers, I don't want to I don't want to downplay the severity, but guys get stingers a lot. They 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 get stingers during games and they continue to play. The fact that that Pew needed to go see a specialist and then they acquired Ford. Keep an eye on that because Ford might be out yeah, did there. They acquire Ford because of what happened. That's to where Pew. I'm going with that. Yeah, is that a possibility that they that they did that? College football will be in full swing tomorrow. ASU taking on NAU. There's a big game in the swamp this weekend with Utah taking on the Florida Gators. So we'll be in full swing with college football after that Dublin disaster for Nebraska losing to Northwestern and uh, going for a, an onside kick when you're up by two scores for Scott Frost. But one of the big things today is what's going on with these TV contracts. We'll tell you where the Pac-12 stands next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Cambo. Football for ASU and U of and uh, for ASU and NAU, we get underway tomorrow. So looking forward to that. That'll be on the Pac-12 Network. And then I mentioned Utah. That's a big game this weekend in the swamp. The Utes take it on the Gators. And uh, this is a big year. A lot of people think that Utah could finally end that drought for the Pac-12 and get themselves into the college football playoffs. So that would be a big game if they're able to go down. They're actually favored to win, believe it or not, against Emory Jones' former team. So I'm going to keep my eye on that one. That's definitely one I want to I want to watch is that Utah game. Big 12 opens media rights negotiations ahead of schedule. Ruh-roh. Here's a story. One of the few advantages the crippled Pac-12 had in realignment is that it was next in line among the major conferences to have its media rights contract renewed. At a time when there was a question whether there would even be a Pac-12 after the loss of USC and UCLA, that was everything. They say that advantage has now disappeared because the Big 12 announced that it is going to enter into negotiations with its media partners, ESPN and Fox. Their contract expires next year, so they can now move up ahead of the Pac-12. So that was one of the things the Pac-12 kind of had going for them is, hey, we can get our media rights deal done now. And the Big 12 is saying, you know, hold my beer. We're going to jump ahead of you and we're going to get ours done. Yeah, but ESPN also jumped in and said, no, you hold your own beer. We have not opened the contractual negotiation window with the Big 12. That's what John time. Wilner said, right? That's yeah. what they said to John <laughs> Wilner. Yeah. In other words, like, eh, we're not. You know, and it, I guess, listen, semantics, right? The way it's worded is we're entering in. Like, we haven't, we, we're, we're entering the door. We haven't walked through the door. Nonetheless, it's going to be, listen, you're the Big 12. 
you're on much more stable footing whenever the negotiations begin. And that's the biggest word right there, stability. Of course. They've they, got stability. They've got their teams. They lose Oklahoma, Texas, so obviously that's going to be a big hit. So, you know, they're going to ha- – once Oklahoma and Texas leave, Fox is going to, like, financially kind of redo that deal a little bit, right? Because you're losing two of your premier teams. But they do offer stability, you know, with BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF joining the league. There is to now that can't be said about the Pac-12, which is going to be down to ten. And then there's always the feeling that you know the Big Ten is going to add Stanford, Cal, Oregon, and Washington, which would then force ASU, U of A, Colorado, and who is the other one? And uh, well, Utah, Utah, those four. Yeah, Utah, Utah, Colorado, ASU, and U of A to the Big Twelve, which would only leave Washington State and Oregon State in the pack, and the pack would be done. So, you know, listen, the Big Ten schools are going to make an average of seventy-five million dollars, and not everybody's in the Pac twelve is going to get that. But you, not, not, USC not at, not and first. UCLA are. No, not if nobody's going to get seventy-five million unless you go to that conference. You have a chance. So if you're Stanford, Cal, Oregon, Washington, you have the chance at the big dollars with the Big Ten. But you're not going to make that money in the Big 12. If you're one of the schools that ends oh. up in the Big 12, you're not going to make anywhere no, near that. Oh, God, no. And guess where else you're not going to make it? You're not going to make it if you stay in the Pac-12. No. no. So that's why this. you, you listen to Klyovkov at, at Pac-12 Media Day, and you listen to what the ADs and the presidents are saying about we, we feel confident that that everybody remaining in the Pac-12 now, which is now the Pac-10, is, is here to stay, is nonsense. Because the Pac-12, with these 10 teams... It's probably worth about 30 to $35 million lost, bucks a year. You've lost the LA... And, and, and not only that, you've lost the LA market. And then on top of that, you're going in to negotiate a rights deal. What With what television network are you going to get top dollar... When there's so much uncertainty... Well, ESPN still has that late time spot, that fourth window for games that start after 10 p.m. Eastern time. Now, you know, that window is still there. Like, they still have something that they've got to put on. Now, it's not... You know, before that even it's happens, it's not going to help you with the recruiting, and it's not going to help know, you with a lot of... I, but, but before the, that happens, Oregon and Washington are going to be gone. That, that's where, like, where this is heading... To me, anyway, the the Pac-12 is going to just dissolve. I think I, so, I, too. I, I don't see a road. Once once the Big Ten extends the invites to Oregon and Washington, and if they if they move beyond and, and say, okay, we'll take Stanford because of the academics, and then they're in the fifth largest market, Cal, academics, fifth largest TV market, you take those four teams, and then, of course, U of A and ASU and Colorado and Utah are like, listen, we're not going to get left stranded. So we'll go to the Big 12 We'll go now. to the Big 12, and then Oregon State and Washington State, they just they just have to— They'll just have to go to the Mountain West. They'll have to go to the Mountain West. I mean, they'll have to go there. I and, mean, that's, and, and that's it. And then, the, and then, then there's no Pac-12. Because— I mean, the Big I, East was once a— one of the six powers in football, the Big East was. They, you know, they were one of those. Six, now they're not. <laughs> Times change. I know well, there is a Big East, but it's just a basketball conference I mean, Ar- now. I mean, Army used to be the best team in college football. I mean, times change. I did listen. If you well, Chicago once won a national championship 19, in basketball, nineteen sixty three, exactly. Um, but even like, if, if you're if you're Michael Crow or you're Ray Anderson, and you're trying to put a pretty picture on this. If you're if you're saying, hey, let, let's all stick together. Let's say Oregon and Washington are like, all right, we'll stick with the Pac-12. Let's see what kind of media rights deal we can get. Well, you're not you're going to get thirty-five million. Yeah, you're going to right. war 
in these negotiations without the L.A. TV market. I'm sorry, San Diego State's not going to move the meter. Nope. So, okay, you get $35 million. Well, the, the Big Ten, even as a, a, a non-full member from a rights share standpoint for the first five years, you might still you might still get 50, which is more than 35. And eventually get 70. And eventually get 75 to 80 mm-hmm. to 90. And, you, and, you, and the travel thing that everybody likes to harp on is mitigated because now UCLA and USC have and four other they're, schools they're, they're all there. that they could play that are in their conference that are right there. Right. So you can make some easy weeks. Right. You can make for some easy weeks travel-wise and not difficult weeks. Listen, it's, I think it's inevitable, too. But, you know, everybody's just waiting right now for the Big Ten to strike. The Big Ten, $75 million under the new agreement. Those schools are going to make an average of $75 million. Some people said it could be worth up to 90 That's what I'm saying. Depending. It can be. So if you're be. the so now the Big Twelve and even the Pac twelve, right? If the Big Twelve and the Pac twelve stay the same, their values are, are very similar. Their their revenue values are somewhere estimated between twenty one and thirty five million annually. See, the Big Twelve is going to make forty four million this year, but after they lose Texas and Oklahoma, they're not going to get paid forty four well, million dollars. So the Pac twelve and the Big Twelve are both somewhere around twenty one to thirty five million, and. You know, and that's not great, but it's also better than what some of the lower school, what is the Mountain West getting per team? So you want to at least protect that if you're ASU and U of A. You want to at least protect your 35 million bucks. And think of the Big 12 if you add Arizona and Arizona State. You're adding the Phoenix market, top 10 market. You add Colorado. You're adding Denver, which is a top 15 market. So now you're if, if with the Pac-12 dissolving, the Big 12 is like, all right, we'll we'll take Arizona State, we'll take Colorado. Those are coming from top twenty markets. That's going to help our TV rights, and every and everybody and everybody's going to profit from that. And we're also listen, we're we're going to. It was once a time when the Pac-12 had a chance to take the Big 12's teams. Think the about Pac-12 that. Pac-12 had a chance. Well, Larry, the, 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 they had a chance to go get those the, Big the, 12 teams. Larry, Think about that. The Larry Scott regime. Well, ultimately, will have absolutely toppled the Pac-12. Yeah, because they the the way it was set up to fail. First of all, essentially forced UCLA and USC to look elsewhere for higher dollars, and it began the trickle down effect. Now that will ultimately see the demise of the conference. I just don't. I don't see. I don't see a pathway that the Pac-12 survives. Without the L.A. TV markets, again, San Diego State will not, unless, the only pathway is if the Big Ten says to to Oregon and Washington and everybody, we don't want you. We don't want you. We're taking Miami and Florida State, North Carolina and Virginia. We're concentrating on the East. We're good. That's it. You stay out there. Canzano mentioned this in his column in the Oregonian. If the Pac-12 had just poached Oklahoma State, Baylor, Texas Tech, TCU, Kansas, and Kansas State, the Big 12 would disband. You know, uh, so I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think ESPN wants to further disrupt the teetering ecosystem. But you go back to earlier. I mean, when the you know the Big 12, you know, had, you had a chance to kind of knock the Big 12 out if you were the Pac-12. They decided not to do anything, and now you're sitting here and. You know, now the Big 12 has the ability to give you the knockout blow. They have the ability to give you, just take your team. They have stability. You know why? Because nobody wants what they have. 
It's good, but it's not great. What the Pac-12 has is they have, they have ge- geographically, they have what everybody wants for USC and UCLA, and they've got the Oregon and Washington markets. Zach Allen, the streak continues. We'll talk about that next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.